Good morning to time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN as uh, we prepare for the next couple of hours and lots of information coming your way. So we need the roundtable. Need these people to tell us what they're going to tell us. Jason Jorgensen's in here along with Bob Brogan, and uh, we're also joined by Susan Littlefield uh, from the capital city. And uh, uh, certainly a hot day headed for us, but you can just hear the corn grow on a day like this, Susan. <laughs> You can, and it's a good thing. You know, we got hit with with hail and heavy rains yesterday, and I talked to a producer that said the corn is already starting to pop back up, those that weren't severely damaged by yesterday. So they'll take the heat and humidity. Absolutely. It, it's good corn growing weather. It just makes me wilt a little bit, but that's okay, too. So I'm, I hear you. I've reached my maximum height. So what do you got for <laughs> us today? Well, coming up at 1219, we're going to hear from Dr. Steve Benzinger. He overviews his wheat trials at last week's UNL field day that took place in Perkins County. We'll get more update on that from Clay. Then at 1245, we're going to learn about a product that's out there that might just be a big benefit this year to our corn producers when it comes to side dressing. Then at 117, we're going to hear more about the environmental quality incentive programs that are now available. Those comments will come from Eric Zock, Ag Program Manager with the Nebraska Game and Parks. So another fun-filled day from the farm team. All right, lots of stuff going on. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen now. And, uh, Jason, you said yesterday that after, after Vanderbilt beat Michigan that you thought that might be it for the Wolverines, and it turns out, it was. Well, sometimes you're right. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of had the feeling mm-hmm. the bubble had burst. It, you know, That's why you play a three-game series to decide this. Right. If it had been a single game, who knows? Michigan might have been you know, right. heading back to Ann Arbor with the title. But that's how it works out. So uh, Vanderbilt, their second title in their fourth trip to Omaha in the last five years. That's an emerging program yeah. right there under coach Tim Corbin. So we'll uh, rehash that. Also, we'll talk about the Tri-City Storm. Of course, some things have been changing in Kearney. One, uh, owner Kirk Brooks, uh, he sold the arena here earlier this summer, and he also has sold the team. The USHL has approved uh, that particular sale. Now, Brooks is going to stay in charge of the hockey operations for the next couple of years, it sounds like. But we'll give you the very latest on that uh, developing story. So we'll touch on that, and uh, also... Uh, if you'd like to vote for your favorite all-star, Major League Baseball, that's starting to wrap up. They've kind of changed things around with how they do everything. There's a contest, then another mm-hmm. contest, and mm-hmm. so it's it's all designed to get clicks. Well, absolutely. <laughs> it used to be about stuffing the ballot box as <laughs> yes. much as you could for for whoever you needed, but uh, they have changed a little bit. And, and I think the managers actually have a little bit more say on yeah. who they can get to. So. Although they probably still should do away with one guy has to make it from every team. Probably. Although... I did appreciate that for a lot of years. All right, Bob. Bob Rogan's here also. Not a great day for Boeing, Bob. What's going on in your world? Not a good day for Boeing. And um, actually, uh, the uh, S&P is climbing, though, today. It is kind of climbing a little bit more than Boeing right now. <laughs> True. After four days of losses, the S&P is climbing. Stocks edging mostly higher on Wall Street, putting the S&P on track for its first gain after four days of losses. And uh, also, uh, the economy grew at a healthy 3.1% rate in the first three months of this year. Uh, Another activity, people are keeping cars and trucks longer than ever. That's not really breaking news, but uh, that's one of the things that research shows. All right. Well, that's interesting. Uh, That's all coming up. (laughs) 
the KRVN Storm Center. Presented by Skeeter Barnes and by American Family Insurance in Kearney and Lexington. Updating the weather picture second by second. First, a severe thunderstorm warning has been issued until... Keeping you informed, keeping your family safe. The main concern with these storms is strong straight-line winds. Wind gusts Around the clock, miles across the plains, we are 880-KRVN. Weather is what we do. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And Paul Perkins joining me today. And as Glenn Fry would say, the heat is on. Yes, especially as we head towards tomorrow and the weekend. Uh, we're also seeing it in the way of some humid conditions. You notice that as you walked out the door this morning. <laughs> it, it, I said to Susan, is one of those days I remember in northeast Nebraska when you'd walk out the door and it would just slap you right back in the face. And uh, walked exactly. Out. Yeah, we are got those dew points right now in the mid. 60s to around 70 in many locations, especially on into eastern Nebraska. Some low dew, uh, dew points in the low 70s, but most of us with dew points currently in the mid to upper 60s. Dew points still in the 50s over southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and also into northeastern Colorado. But actual air temperatures right now in most of Nebraska in the low 80s from eastern, make that southeastern Nebraska on into northern Kansas. Those temperatures currently already into the mid 80s. Through the weekend, we are looking at sunshine and summer-like temperatures as the ridge of high pressure begins to build across the plains. At the surface, we do have a trough of low pressure to our west, making our winds a bit on the breezy side out of the south. Skies will remain mostly clear at night, a continued steady south wind, and that higher humidity keeping those overnight temperatures on the mild side. The high-pressure ridge helping to push all of the disturbances up and away from us and also suppressing any thunderstorms from developing. But by late in the weekend and early next week, approaching low pressure, expected to flatten that ridge. Multiple week disturbances for late Sunday night into Wednesday will result in multiple th- small thunderstorm chances and also our temperatures back to slightly warmer than normal. The latest long-term forecast has backed off on the warmer temperatures in the later periods. Slightly warmer than normal temperatures still indicated for Nebraska and Kansas the middle of next week, which does include the 4th of July. The outlook trends towards seasonal temperatures by next weekend through July 10th. Chances do look good for above normal rainfall for Tuesday through July 10th in Nebraska and Kansas. So Probably after this heat this weekend, we'll be needing some kind of a shower. The regional drought monitor was released today. It shows Nebraska, Kansas, and Colorado continue to be completely drought-free. Weather factors affecting the markets include seasonal summer warmth in the central U.S. and continued excessive heat in Europe. Next several days, the focus for significant rain will mostly remain across the northern U.S., including parts of the northern plains and the Midwest. There will be near or above normal temperatures across much of the central and eastern U.S. Some of the west areas of the eastern Corn Belt experiencing favorable dry weather right now. A few days ago, topsoil moisture was rated at 81% in Ohio and 63% surplus in Michigan. In the Midwest, the warmer and drier weather the next week to 10 days expected to favor crop development. The northern plains and Canadian prairies also will be warmer through the next week, which will be favorable for crop development following some recent rains. Warm to hot and dry weather across the southern plains through the next week. Very welcome news for wheat harvest. Western European crop areas will have additional stressful heat through the weekend. The temperatures about 20 degrees above normal for this time of year will be stressful for the wheat in the ripening stage and also for their summer corn.
So there's a chance, especially maybe in Kansas, that we could see some triple digits here, huh? Yep, uh, looking at highs into the upper 90s to around 100 across much of northwest and north-central Kansas the next few days. Um, already seeing 92 as you head into southwestern Kansas towards the, uh, let's see, Johnson, Kansas area, Sarah. Wow. Yeah, so the heat is building underneath this ridge of high pressure. And and as you mentioned, too, just to reiterate, because of the high pressure and the ridge that's there, there's probably not, we're not going to see any thunderstorms for a while. Exactly. The high-pressure ridge actually acts as a suppressor to kind of tamp down any storm development and those clouds getting going, and also any disturbances that kind of come towards our area, they're going to go up and over that ridge. But that ridge expected to start breaking down by the early part of next week, but not expecting any big rain chances, just a slight cool down, a little more seasonal for this time of year and some passing thunderstorm chances. All right. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. KRVN honors the memory of Trooper Jerry Smith, who was killed in the line of duty. He was a husband, a father, an Iraq War veteran, and a proud member of the Nebraska State Patrol. Thank you for your service, and here's to all of those who protect and serve. Clay Patton joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. Last week I had the opportunity to join the UNL Winter Wheat Field Pea Chickpea Field Day in Perkins County at the Henry J. Stump International Wheat Center. Following the day, I caught up with Dr. Steve Benzinger, who oversees the wheat trials in Perkins County. In 2019, Dr. Benzinger is overseeing 45 different varieties and experimental lines. To see just how far modern wheat has come, Dr. Benzinger always has a couple controls, one that dates back to the era when Nebraska was settled. Well, the quality control is actually Scout 66, and that was for a milling industry back in the 60s, which absolutely loved Scout 66. Now, as milling has changed and baking has changed, as more baking than milling, we've discovered that Scout is a little bit too what they call mellow, which means that it, it goes to the peak time and doesn't have a lot of tolerance with the to overmixing. And so with Scout, we use it as our floor. So if we're better than Scout, we know that we're really good or good enough. Um, so that's the purpose for Scout. Turkey is the first wheat hard red winter wheat that came to the Great Plains. Came in 1873. Prior to that, Nebraska grew only spring wheats. It's the wheat that could handle our winters, our droughts, our heat. And so we put it in there so growers can see what plant breeders have done over time. Historically, we're probably 25% better than Scout, and we're probably 30% to 40% better than Turkey. So I always tease my growers. I say, you know, if you heard all those stories about how awful modern wheats are, just come out and look at turkey. Just come out and look at scout. You're more than welcome to go back and grow them. We can still get you seed, but I think you'll be happier with our modern wheat varieties. Most of the varieties in the trial are hard red winter wheat varieties, but there's also a few white wheat and soft red wheat varieties in the mix. In particular, there are two non-hard red varieties that amaze Dr. Benzinger at just how well they performed. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like they will ever make it to full production due to lack of demand. The big one is NW13493. It's an outstanding white wheat. It's beautiful quality, good disease resistance, excellent agronomics. But it's, it's actually just a fantastic white wheat. If it were a red wheat, it would be released in a heartbeat because there's an obvious market for it. NW13493 needs a home, needs a market. We don't want growers to have to go to extreme lengths to have white wheats. So you have to have a home before it's released. That's the first one. 
The second one is a little more difficult. It's a, a very good high-protein wheat. It's a very good agronomic wheat. It's a two-gene clear field, NHH 1449-13-3, but it's soft. It makes an outstanding cracker, but right now most cracker flours are a blend of soft and hard wheats, and so to have a line that's pure cracker is taking a lot of skill to try to find that. But if someone needed an outstanding cracker wheat, this wheat, when it was tested, was actually better than the control flour, which is that blended hard and soft wheat flour. Aside from the wheat fields, the field day was big for Dr. Benzinger as two of his former international students returned to see their old professor. Both of these students were outstanding students as, uh, as graduate students at the university. It shows our global reach. One was from Jordan, one was from Egypt. Both received highly prestigious and global international fellowships from the Arab Fund to come back and spend a year here. So it's kind of nice to reconnect. It's nice to see them that they're doing so successfully well they can compete for global scholarships and then just have them come back and see Nebraska because they both love it here. For full results and information from the Perkins County UNL Field Day, give the Perkins County Extension Office a call. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. In today's fast-paced world of agriculture, producers need accurate market information they can trust. Sometimes you just want to know the whys of the day's markets. And our program, the Fontenelle Final Bell, gives you the chance to ask the marketing experts. I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network. Join us for the Fontenelle Final Bell, Monday through Friday, as we dig deeper into the factors that shape the day's market activity. The Fontenelle Final Bell, weekdays at 217, right here on Rural Radio 880 KRVN. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason Jorgensen in here with us. College World Series in the history books. And uh, good one for Michigan. Just doesn't quite finish the way we yep, hoped. They were one game away as Vanderbilt showed their depth last night, winning at 8-2. Mason Hickman and Jake Etter combined 14 strikeouts. And the key was Vandy knocked out Michigan ace Carl Kaufman in the fourth inning as the Commodores won it. Going away 8-2. to two. It's their second title and four CWS appearances, all since 2011. Well, the Tri-City Storm Ownership Group is changing hands. Kirk Brooks, the owner since April of 2009, has decided to sell a majority share of the hockey franchise and sell all of his holdings in the Viero Center to an ownership group. That's according to NTV. Now, the Viero Center was purchased earlier this month, and the sale of the Storm franchise has been approved by the USHL. There are six individuals, part of the new ownership group, which are purchasing these two assets. Now, in part of the agreement with the new group, it states that Brooks will run the hockey side of the storm for at least a couple of years to help with the transition. The storm has been a part of the region for the last 20 years. Nine individuals and one team will celebrate their induction as the 31st class to join the Hastings College Athletic Hall of Fame. Celebration is set for the Saturday of homecoming at Hastings College on October 12th. Now those of note from the region who will be going in include Bo Bienkowski of Hastings, Celeste Bauer-Howley of Hastings, Dan Crowdser. He was a Bronco football coach back in their glory days of the early to mid-90s. Ogallala native Chad Spady, who graduated in 1996, he will go in for his contributions for men's basketball. And this almost seems overdue, but Mike Trader, longtime men's basketball coach, he also will go into the Hall of Fame. And the 1995 men's basketball team that tied the school record for wins in a season and qualified for the Elite Eight of the National Tournament will also be honored. 
In baseball, Craig Kimbrell will be added to the Cubs roster tonight before their series finale against Atlanta at Wrigley Field. Team made the announcement following last night's loss. Kimbrell, a seven-time All-Star closer, completed his minor league assignment this week and traveled to Chicago yesterday. He pitched in four games for AAA Iowa, allowing one run and two hits and three and two-thirds innings of work. The right-hander worked a clean ninth with two strikeouts on Tuesday in Iowa's 5-4 win over Omaha. Now, Kimbrell and the Cubs finalized a $43 million three-year deal earlier this month. And starters for the July 9th All-Star Game in Cleveland will be announced tonight, just a few hours after the polls close online. So if you'd like to vote for your favorite player, you better get that done. That's Check of Sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Dozier, probably the guy for the Royals, you think? Or Witt. Or Witt. Yeah. yeah. That could work. We'll Each see. Are deserving, but probably just one gets in. All right. Very good. Thanks, Jason. Hastings police are investigating a Wednesday night shooting. In conjunction with the multiple law enforcement agencies, Hastings police are investigating the events that occurred in the 1000th block of Hill Street as well as the 800th block of North Bellevue Avenue. At approximately 7.30 p.m., officers were called to the 1000th block of Hill Street regarding a disturbance and possible shots being fired. Upon arrival, police were able to locate a female suffering from gunshot wounds. The female was taken by ambulance to Mary Lanning Healthcare and later flown by helicopter to Bryan Medical Center, West Campus, for treatment. As of this morning, the female is reported as being in critical condition, but stable. At approximately 8.30 p.m., officers and the Nebraska State Patrol were able to make contact with the suspect. The suspect was identified as 58-year-old David Langenberg of Hastings. Negotiators from the Nebraska State Patrol had contact with Langenberg by phone on and off for several hours attempting to reach a peaceful resolution. At approximately 12.30 a.m., Langenberg exited the residence and ultimately took his own life. Langenberg was pronounced dead on the scene, and the Hastings Police Department has turned over the scene to complete the investigation. As summer gets underway, area farmers will closely monitor their radio and messages to see if there will be load control from Dawson Public Power. These code green or code red days help save farmers money when energy costs are high. According to Dawson Public Power, load control or load management helped save farmers $8.85 million in 2017. Since 2017, the weather patterns have shifted to include more moisture. From 2017 to 2018, Dawson Public Power saw a 43% drop in power demand for irrigation wells due to the wet summer. So far in 2019, the pattern has been fairly similar, but Cole Brody, load management supervisor, Dawson Public Power, says that can change in a short amount of time. Weather could dry up and we could see load uh, come up pretty quickly now for irrigation. Um, but if it's like last year was, I'm afraid it'll probably be a quiet few months for us. Brodin wants farmers to know that if there is load control and they have questions, there is always a person at the load control desk who can answer them. The American Civil Liberties Union has objected to a southeast Nebraska school district's decision to add nicotine to random drug tests given to students involved in extracurricular activities. The ACLU's Amy Miller says such urine tests are unwarranted because tobacco possession is a misdemeanor that doesn't carry the possibility of jail time. Fairbury District Superintendent Stephen Grizzle told the Lincoln Journal Star the policy was vetted by district lawyers, so he's comfortable with it. 
one of those years that the corn might need just a little extra help. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Paul Ryzen is Director of Strategic Product Management with ActGrow. He talks about Proximus and what it can do for the corn industry. Well, it's it's primarily a nitrogen management tool, so we're really thinking about corn. And this is a year where we've uh, that's going to be a, a, a real uh, debate, I think, month amongst a lot of farmers because uh, the real questions are: Did I get a pre-emerge on? Did I even get a fall in hydrus? Yes or no? Did I get any pre-emerges on? Did I get any nitrogen on pre-plant? Yes or no? Uh, you know, we. All of the cards have sort of been thrown up in the air this year about what your typical nitrogen program is going to be. So I think there's going to be a lot of weight bearing on the side dress application. How do I judge how much nitrogen's in my soil? What do my plants look like uh, and kind of where I am with kind of what yield expectations I have? And so we're, we're, we're past that using Proximus, you know, in the earlier pre-plant planting period. So, but we have a fair amount of experience with the product side dress, and that's really where this product has some some real strong attributes. So, folks use it with UAN. That's really the primary place that it is in the in for a, a farmer segmentations, and um, it gets blended with the UAN helps uh, decrease leaching as well as increase nitrogen use efficiencies, and those are uh, separate. Uh, real strong benefits for the product. And so uh, what we've seen from SideDress, we've had a number of retailers really evaluate the product. It really uh, was fully launched in 2018, and we had retailers looking in in 17 and 18. And in SideDress, that's specifically where they wanted to put it. And they were happy with uh, a couple things. One, uh, they would either compare it with their uh, their EPA-registered product, something like Instinct, or in some cases, you know, it was just uh, Proximus versus Untreated. In every one of those cases, we um, we saw an advancement of tassel five to seven days. So in, with a year that we have today, uh, this year, um, that's an important issue, right? We, we may have, um, we, if we can shorten up that period of time between planting and tassel and and then um, that translates into a little earlier fro- uh, uh, harvesting we've got to be worried about frost in some areas where um, where the crop's going to be a little short this year so but it also increases nitrogen use efficiency and and that means for every 100 units of in you get out there more gets into the plant and we have good uh, R&D replicated work to prove that and that's another thing where you're just getting more value out of your UEN because more of it's getting put into the crop and less is being uh, stored up or wasted in the environment. So that's um, that's a real value to the farmer. Paul, you talk about uh, the side dressing, and I'm wondering what is our time window that you're looking at for these producers considering where the crop is in development this time compared to what mm-hmm. it normally would be? I mean, our, our whole window of farming this year has definitely changed. Yeah. Yeah, so you know your rule of thumbs, I think, for this year are really set aside, and, and you really have to go back to your basics of, of, of what you know about farming. Uh, so, you know, traditionally we would have corn that was nearly tasseled this time of year, and we got a lot of corn that's in V five, V six, V V seven range right now. So, uh, a lot of places are are way behind. So, what we like to see with this product is the earlier in. Uh, in 
that process of side dressing that you can use a product, the more value you're going to get out of it. Because uh, I mentioned retailers looking at this product in the past, they would normally use it at V3 to V5 because the later you use it, the less nitrogen use efficiency you just simply get out of out of out of the crop. That's not a product related statement. That's a crop related statement, right? Because the the longer you make it that that crop is exposed to a, a product that can help nitrogen use efficiency, the, you're just skipping some of the opportunities to get that efficiency out of the out of the system. So we like to and, and we get a better yield response from that earlier three V three, V five, V six, somewhere in there. And and as you get closer to, you know, these folks that use Y drops, you know, with big corn, um, we haven't tested in that market, and we, we don't think that's really the primary place that Proximus would really shine for you as a, as a grower, as a farmer. So, Is Proximus available then nationwide? Yes, it is. The uh, first place that uh, they, they can work with it or find it is in many nutrient ag solution locations, but they can also find it in other retailers. Uh, just um, ask your retailer. If not, they can visit our website, actorgrow.com. And uh, we can um, we can point them towards some some retailers that have it. Anything else you'd like to add, Paul? No, it's just uh, it's been a it's going to be a record year in people's minds. Uh, nitrogen still, I think, is going to be uh, the biggest thing that folks have got to manage. And the next one, I think, that people have to watch for is potassium. As we get closer later, uh, you know, after tassels, really when that demand goes up. So if people missed. Um, their traditional dry fertilizer applications this year. That's Paul Rising. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Carlton, Nebraska and Carlton, Kansas may spell their names differently, but they agree on this. The best news, weather and ag information is here. 880-KRVN. Time for us to take a look at the financial markets and how things are going today. As we look at uh, the world markets, Nikkei index in uh, Japan is up 254 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong up 405. The FTSE continues to struggle a little bit in London. They are they were down 14, and the German DAX index is down 25. Here in the United States, green across the board. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 59 points. NASDAQ is up 57 points, and the S&P also up 14. And uh, not a good day for Boeing, not a good day for ConAgro. What else you got for us, Bob? Well, as you, as you mentioned, Boeing is weighing down the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The airplane maker is facing further delays in getting its grounded 737 MAX back in service. Investors, meanwhile, are looking ahead to a weekend meeting on trade between U.S. President Donald Trump and Chinese leader Xi Jinping at the G20 summit in Japan. Lots of folks uh, placing some pretty heavy-duty stock on that uh, that meeting, hoping there's something to report by um, next week. Meanwhile, the uh, U.S. economy grew at a pretty good clip in the first quarter. The economy uh, grew at a healthy 3.1% rate. Signs are mounting, though, that growth has slowed sharply in the current quarter, reflecting slower global growth and a confidence-shaking trade battle that, uh, as we mentioned, is going on between the U.S. and China. The Commerce Department reporting that the gain in the gross domestic product was unchanged from a month ago. 
However, the components of growth shifted slightly with stronger business investment and consumer spending slowing more than previously estimated. So the economy is clipping right along. Uh, People are keeping their cars and trucks longer than ever. Not exactly a breaking story, but uh, the average age of a U.S. vehicle has hit a record 11.8 years as better quality and technology allows owners to hang on to them. The 2019 figures from data provided by IHS Market show that the rate of increase is slowing, but the average age is still expected to go over 12 years early in the next decade. Meanwhile, Amazon will add more than 1,500 package pickup locations in a partnership with the pharmacy chain Rite Aid. Starting today, customers will be able to pick up packages at more than 100 Rite Aid stores. That number will jump to more than 1,500 by year's end. Those are some of the stories that are breaking news in the business world. All right. Thanks so much, Bob. And, you know, as a couple guys who have old vehicles, you're right. That's not exactly new news for us, is it? That is not at all. And I I like having an older vehicle. Well, if they keep running, you might as well keep them. That's right. All right. Thank you, Bob. Over the past 18 years, KRVN, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. We're also honoring our Nebraska Strong this summer, so follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts all summer long, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. This beauty has a custom Dodge bulge hood and a spray-on bedliner. Being Nebraska Strong, we would like to encourage you to continue with relief efforts to our friends, neighbors, and family across the state by making donations through Nebraska Farm Bureau. Helping us bring the Ram to your town is Foz Garage, Arapaho and Bomb Motor Company, Cambridge, Eustace Body Shop, Eustace Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, and Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. Head over to the Fun and Games page at krvn.com to find out when the Ram will be in your area. Register and you could be bringing it home. I'm Dewey Nelson inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef-oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska and Kansas cattle resources, including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need, plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Rice Duskit on the Rural Radio Network, and today we're joined by Eric Zock, a Ag Program Manager with Nebraska Game and Parks. Today we are discussing environmental quality incentive programs, often known as Equipped, which provides financial and technical assistance to agricultural producers to improve land and wildlife habitats. Eric, what funding and programs are available this time of year? In general, the Natural Resource Conservation Service uh, has some funding through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program to do various uh, practices on both cropland and rangeland across the state. Um, We normally focus on those wildlife-friendly practices, but by no means are they um, just for wildlife. Uh, We work on things like cedar tree removal. That's a big topic right now, eastern red cedar encroachment on our uh, rangelands. And so uh, we do have funding for that statewide. Um, we'll even uh, help if, if a producer or landowner wants to do a prescribed burn uh, follow-up with that to, to control the ones that come back. 
Um, we, we offer a, a wide variety of practices. Um, I just encourage uh, producers and landowners to uh, seek their uh, nearest NRCS office. Um, the NRCS office can help you. Um, we, uh, we then provide some technical assistance as well, along with some of our partners. Some of those projects you mentioned, why are they so important to partner with the, the private landowners across the state of Nebraska and implement some of them? Well, with Nebraska having about 97% uh, of, our, of our land in private ownership, um, that's where we get the biggest bang for our buck. Uh, working with private landowners is essential to uh, meeting our mission and um, conserving the wildlife and habitats across the state. Uh, we work with a lot of partners in, in Nebraska, both ag-based and conservation-based. Uh, some of the partners on, on uh, EQIP uh, include Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. Um, also, Audubon Nebraska is a, a partner. Uh, the Nebraska Environmental Trust also uh, pitches in some uh, funding for that, um, as well as, like I said, Nebraska Game and Parks, who I uh, work for, and then our, our main partner, NRCS. If somebody's hearing this right now, they've been thinking about implementing some of these practices, such as that uh, eastern red cedar tree removal on their operation. What's the process? You mentioned getting in contact with NRCS is important, but is it an application process to go through this? Maybe walk us through some of those steps. Sure, sure. Um, so the the producer, um, you know, they have an idea of kind of what they want to do. They will uh, come into their local NRCS office, uh, NRCF, NRCS biologists, um, or staff will will sit down with them. Uh, Fens Forever also has uh, staff in in quite a few NRCS offices that uh, provide technical assistance to landowners. So the landowner comes in, uh, says, "Okay, I've got eastern red cedar problem." Fills out an application. They do kind of all the behind the scenes paperwork. Then there's normally a, a site visit to see, "Okay, what what do we actually need to do to make this the best possible uh, project?" The landowners work with the the, the NRCS and and other uh, partner staff come up with a plan. They kind of uh, work to kind of, uh, I guess, fine-tune that application, and then the application goes into kind of a pool of applications, and we rank them, then notify the landowner uh, of those going forward, and then kind of continue the process that way. To find your local NRCS office, you can visit the USDA website and search NRCS Service Locator. From the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. Joey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network as we review the grains trade today with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You can go uh, take this day, I guess, uh, into account that it's the day before a slew of reports as well as the end of the month, end of the quarter, and then you, what you get out of it is probably a quiet day, right? Yeah, I think the end of the quarter might be more heavily weighing on things than anything else. If you look at the kind of rally we saw in hogs and the, and the rally we saw in the feeder cattle markets, really anything that was down the last three or four weeks has been uh, pushed up today, and, and everything that was been up has been pushed down. So that would certainly include markets like soybeans. I think the feeders for the pre-report really lie there, um, just given that there's a lot on the table. With corn, certainly pretty high stakes, but not, not quite the, the leverage when you look at a G20 meeting that will take place this weekend. John, let's uh, look ahead to the trade tomorrow. 
Uh, that probably will be a little more volatile tomorrow than it was today, but what really might take place is the volatility Sunday night, won't it? Yeah, I think Sunday night, especially in soybeans, markets like cotton, those those will be the big ones. Uh, you know, if it's a really bullish report for something like wheat, I think the market could really give um, you know some upside. But uh, if if you know if it's kind of a quiet quiet report and you know corn corn market doesn't take it too aggressively, I think Sunday night will be rather quiet. So um, really, for market like corn, the wild year report that'll be on in two weeks is much more important because you're going to get yield talked about. Certainly the acres matter, but if the acres are there, I think there's going to be the attitude that's going to shift towards, okay, what are those acres going to yield? Obviously, the summer's been pretty rough so far, so um, I you know, I, I would be hesitate to, to give a recommendation here, but if the market's cheaper, I think buy cheaper prices uh, is, is a pretty good theory in my opinion. John, look at the assumption here that sometimes it's important that wheat futures lead corn higher. Do you still feel the same way? Oh, absolutely, especially given how tight the spreads are. Uh, corn certainly is going to lose lose some uh, some market share to wheat, but if wheat prices rally, it's going to be difficult to see corn break on that. So, again, the, the optimism in wheat is certainly good. I think the optimism in crude oil is good as well. Uh, so soybeans would be the kind of third, third item that it needs to get going. Thanks for the comments, John Payne, on the road to Dave. He is a senior marketing analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. As we allude to these corn markets, we were two and three quarters to three and three quarters lower. Six to six and a half lower on soybeans. Chicago wheat was a quarter to a half higher in the back months, while Kansas City wheat was a half to one lower. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com, Twitter, our app, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.